0: All right, so we are on week two of Don't Do Life Alone. This is the series that we're going to be in four sessions together, and every session is going to be some teaching from God's Word, motivating us to consider, if we haven't already been a part of small groups, to be a part of small groups. If you were not here last week, here's a recap statement from... It's not exactly from last week, but this recaps it rather well. The series' goal is to show how a small group of people committed to helping one another take steps to follow Jesus is one of God's most potent prescriptions for a thriving life. Now, I happen to know that most of us wouldn't come to that conclusion on our own. Most of us, when it comes time to, you know, should we go to a small group? I mean, we're tired, we go to work and we come back and we think, oh, I don't know, let's just stay home. It's kind of the That's what we come to on our own. But this series is designed to help us see something that we don't see, that there's something that God has designed in that small group setting that we want to talk about. and The Spirit of God uses in a powerful way to become the most potent prescription for a thriving life. So that's what we've been talking about. Today, the, the title in specific for this morning and all day today is imaginary me, imaginary me. So that's the title. We'll just go with that title for now and continue on and maybe it'll make sense as we go. Here's the question I wanna begin with. What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? All of us wanna be known for something and what we want to be known for tends to shape how we present ourselves and we kind of do some image management to do that, to present the best self we can present in lots of different ways, whether it's with a one-on-one or in a group setting or on the platform, you know? What do I want to be known for? So here's, out of a little bit of transparency and just to kind of set the tone that we kind of have to look at our lives and see what we want to be known for and that kind of thing, I would like to be known for being able to explain things in a way that you catch and get, and hopefully explain what God teaches us in a way that is clear. But the reason I even say this, I wasn't planning on saying this, is unlike typical Sundays, I thought, oh, I need to check the outline because we made some last-minute changes, and the last-minute changes came across my desk, and usually how it goes is somebody else works on the outline portion from my manuscript. They put it all together. You get an outline. They take the fill the blanks that are underlined and make them blanks for you, and then they print them all out, and then I read them and make sure it looks good, and I looked at it and thought, oh man, that's way too busy, it looks way too full. In fact, the person that put it together said, yeah, people are gonna look at that and think, too much information, and uh, you're right. And so, <clears throat> we made some changes, and then I made more changes, and I thought, I need to check the outline again, and the changes that I made, and the presentation I'm bringing do not match your outline anymore. <laughs> And so like, oops, I like to be known for being really clear. And I'm gonna really muddle you up as you're following the outline. So just a heads up. So here's the focus, and it's not on your outline. And if you look at your outline, it's gonna mess you up. But here's the focus as I want you to hear it. If you wanna cross out things and put things, you can. Here's, to, here's for clarity, all right? If I'm always managing my image, People only know the imaginary me and then God's prescription for a thriving life is ruined. If a small group of people is this potent prescription for a thriving life, it only works if we begin to get to know each other really. And so when we are always managing our image and people only know the imaginary me, it totally ruins this prescription. And so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the imaginary me. So on the next screen is a little statement. One of our problems is that we deceive ourselves into believing that the imaginary me is really me. We don't believe this about ourselves, but we do. We deceive ourselves into thinking that the imaginary me is really me. Now. Before we move along, I want to explain why this is a problem. Uh, It's a problem because there becomes this big discontinuity between uh, what we think about ourselves and the reality about ourselves. Just in case you think that isn't true for you, I want to um, just give you some background. We're going to step into a, a book. We're going to step into the book of Galatians. I call it a book. It's really just a little tiny document. We call it the books of the Bible. But these books are really just little slices, little documents. And the Bible's filled with all these ancient documents. Did you know that these documents are all written by many different writers, that God orchestrates all these documents together over a course of 1,500 years to create one story that fits together. It's rather remarkable. But the document we're jumping into is called Galatians. It was written by the Apostle Paul. And it was written around 49 AD. And this is what's significant about that. Jesus was crucified around 33 AD, okay? And so just 15 years later, a little later in this, in, in this session together, we're going to look at the book of James that was written about 40-ish, early 40s. So this is just very few years after the resurrection of Jesus, very few years after the resurrection of Jesus, James writes, and both James and Paul did not believe in Jesus during his earthly ministry while he walked on earth. It was afterwards and after the resurrection, after meeting him in resurrection, (laughs) that they came to believe. And they both wrote before the Jerusalem council, which we can pin a date down to, and that's why we know it's so early. They would have used that Jerusalem council and some decisions to uh, bolster their arguments. And so that's why we have a date. So in Galatians 6, 2 through 3, and if you want to grab the chair Bible. It's on page 813. If you don't own an easy-to-read Bible, we encourage you to take that Bible home. That's why I give you the page number. We're going to put all the scriptures on the screen today. But if you don't have an easy-to-read Bible, make this your Bible. Put your name in it. We'd love to give that to you. We want you to be in the Bible because it really helps us a little revelation into a world we cannot see otherwise it's revelation like a lens like a microscope like a telescope into what we don't understand about God and about reality and we get a lot of glimpses here even about ourselves carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ if anyone thinks they are something when they are not they deceive themselves how many of you met somebody who thinks they're something my wife calls it, he's, he thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. That's her phrase. He thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I think it means he really thinks he's something. And, and, and that's, we've met people like that. When you really think you're something, you really are not really good at carrying each other's burdens. But how did these people get to the place where they really thought they were something? Well they began to deceive themselves into believing that the image of who they present themselves as, always managing their image, always managing their goodness, always presenting themselves as this wonderful person, they begin to believe their own PR. And they think that they are who they present themselves to be. I keep saying they, I do this. And I don't know where I'm beginning to believe the imaginary me instead of the real me. And it's only in relationship with other people who I know and I love and they accept me and talk this through with me and go, oh, yeah, oh wow. Hmm, you're right. Now that only happens when I'm walking with God and the humility factor is in place. When I'm not walking with God, I get self-defense. Uh-uh, that is not true. That is not who I am. You just don't understand. And on and on I go, okay? But all of us wrestle with this factor. Now, are we ready for point number one? On some of your outlines, point number one says point number two. I'm really sorry about that. Like I say, that's not what I like to be known for, but that's just the way it is. Some of them came out wrong. All right. Point number one, which some of you have point number two, is point number one. We all have gaps between what we want to be known for and who we really are. We all have these gaps. Our whole purpose as a church, you've already heard it stated several times, is to be the kind of church that helps people take steps from wherever they are to where God wants them to be. That's not just a fine sounding statement. It's a true reality descriptor, the part about each of us has a gap. From wherever we are, we need to take steps to where God wants us to be. Hello, I've been in the ministry now 34 years. I have, I think I know more steps that I need to take now than I used to. Seriously, it's like, oh wow, I have steps. And that's why we say around here, everyone has a next step. Now, if we believe the imaginary me, we just go, I don't need to take a step. I'm, I'm good, because I'm really something in a bag of chips, <laughs> whatever that means. Okay. So everybody has a next step. I kind of like the purpose statement because it presents a reality for us to evaluate ourselves, and we need to be able to be okay with the fact that God loves us and accepts us even though we aren't fully arrived. Okay? Okay. By the way, if you think you've arrived, and if you think you're already a bag of chips, you might want to go to the bag of chips church, (laughs) Uh, you know, because around here we say we we all have next steps. We all have things that we're still working on, we're still growing, and, and Jesus is the one that helps us as we follow him and step after him, okay? That doesn't mean, by the way, that taking these steps is how we get to heaven as if we achieve it. That's not it. We get to heaven based on who Jesus is. And wherever we are in the spectrum of following him in a relationship with him, it's Jesus that gets us there, not our steps. He's the one that gives us what we need. Now, I wanna bring us to a teaching of Jesus that just shocks the Jewish people of his day. It just created this, what, okay? And it's in Matthew, so here we go with Matthew. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. In their day, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are those guys that thought they had it. They had arrived. They were God's gift to humanity. And if you want life to be good, be like me. That was them. And the Jewish people believed it. I mean, these guys fasted twice a week. These guys meticulously followed the law. These guys guys meticulously taught the law and looked down on people who just wouldn't even try and called them sinners and were just judgmental. This is what life is all about. Follow this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. And Jesus says, hello, if you're listening to me, your righteousness has to surpass that or you will never Enter into the kingdom of heaven. And they're going, surpass them. There is no possible way we can live up to the religiosity of the Pharisees and the the teachers of the law. And here is the problem. These guys believed their image-managed presentation of themselves. They were so self-deceived that they thought they had it together that they were God gifts to humanity, that on the outside, they were righteous, and Jesus knew that on the inside, they were messed up. They were as self-deceived as they come. Here's the problem. In religious settings, we are so busy trying to present ourselves so well that there's a lot of pretense and pretending and imaginary me presentations. The reality is, we still have these huge gaps, okay? If this is you, I didn't see you, so don't get mad at me. A family drives here in a minivan, and they're shouting at one another in a big fight, and then they get to the church parking lot, and they're Say, okay, now you behave each other. Now, to the kids, you stop that and knock it off. And then you get out the minivan and you close the door and you fix your hair and you smile. <laughs> and you walk in like nothing ever happened. And we're all good. We had this wonderful family and this peaceable Christ-honoring relationship and our marriage is stellar. And how are you doing this morning? This happens more frequently In church than in any other setting? You know what the answer is? It's obvious. You need to come in separate cars. (laughs) Actually, we probably should come up with a better solution. All right, on the screen is the better solution. We need a formula that can take us to a place. Where the people who know us best, actually love and respect us most. Something that can take us there. Don't settle for anything less than that. Now, do any of you feel like you've arrived? No, but we're in a journey, we're in a process, and that's what I wanna sign up for. I want the people that know me best and love me most to respect me because I'm following Jesus, taking steps, acknowledging the reality of the gaps, learning and growing and processing and being real, okay? So I'm not saying that everybody should, how are you doing? Terrible! Honesty is not all that great, you know, sometimes that's not the issue. I'm not asking you to lie and, you know, or, 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 or pretend either way, but hopefully we can get into small groups where we begin to treat each other the way Jesus treats us so that we actually accept each other in the journey and where we are and get to know where each other's journey is and actually help each other take steps to follow Jesus and begin to respect the fact that Jesus is at work. I can see it, we can see where this is going. This is so exciting. That's what we're talking about together. To be a part of a group of people who are journeying with Jesus in life and know each other better and better and begin to respect what God is doing in each of our lives and respect how we're honest real doesn't really happen in a group like this okay and that's okay actually it doesn't really happen naturally in a small group either it might happen over time and it might happen with a few at first and then it might get to the place where it happens with everybody boy if you have that's amazing but in that setting when we know where this is heading we can kind of let down our guard a little bit more, a little bit more, and with a few people let it down more and more and more, and now we've got a real friend, a real brother or sister, which is even better than that, that helps us to take steps to follow Jesus. A on your outline, which is really B on your outline. Cross out A. Aren't you glad I'm so clear? If we have no place to get real, we cannot find real help. If we have no place to get real, we cannot find real help. Before we find real help, we have to acknowledge something about ourselves. And here's a statement I want you to just focus on. Here's a statement. The reason we resist this is that we think if people knew what I'm really like, they wouldn't like me. Isn't that true? Every one of us has those pieces of us that we would rather forget, those rather regrettable things in our past that we'd rather others don't know, that tendency that maybe we still have that still crops up, that we're still struggling with. We don't want anybody to know about that. And so we're worried that if people knew what we are really like, they really wouldn't like us. And so what do we do? We present an imaginary me. So, Let me just ask you a question, would you rather have people like your imaginary friend or you? Because if you don't present a little bit of the reality of your life to somebody and you're always image managing, they're really liking the imaginary you which is your imaginary friend, which isn't you at all. Right? Do you want them to just like your imaginary friend or do do you want them to like you. So you need to find some place and some people that understand the grace of Jesus and the power of this formula, this this prescription of doing life together that God has laid out for us where we carry one another's burdens and help carry one another's burdens that we pray together, we hear about this Burden this struggle, this need, and we actually become part of the solution, not the judgment, okay? Now in small group, the tendency is to try to fix, which includes the assessment, which includes the judgment, right? And so we're afraid to say anything because people start fixing and saying and judging, and we need to learn how to be full of truth and full of grace and more like Jesus and come alongside and accept them right where they are at. And as we accept one another right where we're at, we begin to be the prayer support for the area and where they're at. Maybe we need some people to say things like, I'm there too. More of that. Or, hi, my name is Jim, and I'm a mess. (laughs) I really am. I'm so grateful for Jesus because he's helping clean up that mess. I'm so grateful for Jesus because I need grace every day. I'm so grateful that he has given me the grace, and I'm learning how to receive more grace this way. Those are honest kind of statements. This is what we're talking about. Don't be a pretendaholic. That's more than a joke. Think about social media. Think about how you present yourselves. Think about how you only present your highlight reel. And now everybody else is comparing their low light reel with your highlight reel. But they'll only present their highlight reel, trying to compete with your highlight reel. And the more we get into that, and the more we interact with each other with these highlight reels and the image-managed presentations, the more we are actually becoming a pretendaholic, and we are becoming accidental Pharisees. We are justifying ourselves, we're justifying our behavior, we're justifying our own view of ourselves, we're making ourselves present as well as we can in such a way that we are putting up a whitewashed tombstone over a sepulcher of dead men's bones. Don't be an accidental Pharisee. Jesus says, unless your righteousness, your being right with God, unless that surpasses that of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What is he talking about? He's saying image management never gets you there. You cannot just get there on the outside. You have to get there on the inside. And it starts with admission that I'm a mess. If you never can admit that, you're a Pharisee. You think you've arrived. You think you're God's gift to humanity. You think you can tell everybody this is how you do it because you are self-deceived. You have believed the imaginary lie about who you are. We gotta cut through that. We've got to see ourselves the way God sees us, full of life and full of potential, but totally filled with the marring of the sins and the gap of where we still have steps to take. The answer that the Bible gives us is where we've gotta get to? and the answer is confession so be on your outline which is really see on your outline <clears throat> confession is acknowledging where we really are okay here's the problem with confession we have so much biblical history and so much cultural history that we usually think of confession in one of two ways we usually think of it as in a booth with a priest Okay, or in an office with a priest or, okay, just with a priest wherever you can find him. Okay. (laughs) That would be one place of confession. And the other place that we picture confession is if we get on our knees in the closet and hide somewhere and we say to God, God, please forgive me. I just did this again. We don't want anybody else to know. And so we confess to God. Those are the two ways that we think of confession. James wrote in Jerusalem, in the first century church, in the early 40s, that neither one of those is what we should picture. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. This is the powerful prescription for a thriving life. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So let's just do this right now. Every turn to your neighbor, confess your deepest, darkest sin, and here we go. <laughs> ah, not going to happen. This is not the place where that works. You might be sitting next to a stranger. They'll never come back again. And <laughs> Right? So where do we do this? We do this as we develop these really grace-filled relationships over time and trust, and the only way I know how to do this is not in large group church, but in small group church, which we call small groups. And in the early church, they had both, small groups, large groups. And in small groups, they began to live life together in a real way, that out of the small group, real relationships formed where this was natural. Natural. I've got a buddy that knows about me. I've got a buddy that I go to. I get strength from this buddy. He's the one that's praying for me. Here, I'm struggling again. Brother, help me here. I'm struggling again here. Would you pray for me? Yes, absolutely. He prays for me. And then he says some precious words to me. By the way, I'm just, these are real things in my life that I've placed into my life, and this has really happened. I've I've struggled here again. Please pray for me. I will pray for for you. Then he says after the prayer, I forgive you. And Jesus forgives you. And I pray that Jesus puts a guard on my lips to protect you. Whoa, this is powerful stuff. That kind of relationship really is a powerful prescription for a thriving life. Because unlike just getting in my closet, praying to God, which works. But I fool myself because here's how it works. I go to God, I pray and confess, ask for forgiveness. Thank you, God, thank you, God, walk away, do it again. I go to God, pray and confess, thank you, God, thank you, God, do it again. I go to God, pray to God, thank you, God, thank you, God, for forgiveness, and I do it again. What is going on here? Why can't I get out of this cycle? because my pride is so huge, I don't want anybody to know, so I only keep it with God, and so I never really expose the awfulness of this thing to anybody, and I live out my imaginary pretend life in front of everybody else, and if you have that kind of pride in your life and nobody has access to you, you will keep doing it again, do it again, do it again, do it again, there's no strength. You open that up, and all of a sudden, light floods in. Somebody forgives you. Pride is broken. And in that confession, and the brokenness of the pride, now there's somebody else also praying for you. Now you're being real with each other. You're actually walking in steps together and doing something about it. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about developing relationships. The only way I know how that really happens is when we begin to be real together in small groups. Point number two. In small groups, we can learn to be real. I didn't say in small groups, we're always real all the time. tell you the truth, I'm not. I'm always testing you. Can I trust you with this? Oops. Talking Tilda is here. I just came up with that one just now. If you're Tilda, I'm sorry. Um, Talking Tilda is in the group. I'm not sharing a thing, okay? And I wait till I get um, somebody who I can trust to share and pray, even if it's a prayer need, okay? So it doesn't happen with real people for real change all the time, every time. But it's a place that we as a culture are raising together as a church because if we go there, our lives transform. If we go there, our church transforms. If we go there, our whole community begins to be transformed by the powerful movement of the Holy Spirit stirred up in our midst, where Jesus shows up. Jesus is real. They start going, You need to come to this place. This is a real place. Real people talking about real stuff. My life is totally radically changed. All of a sudden, it's like, What just happened? It works. It's a powerful prescription that really works. My wife even likes me, she used to hate my guts. I'm talking about the people who know you most begin to love you more. The people who know you best begin to respect you more because this really works. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Let's slow that down. It definitely doesn't say, judge one another every time you guys do something wrong. Oh, that was wrong. That was bad. That was stupid. Sheesh, why did you do that? No. Accept one another. Personally, when somebody loves me and accepts me, there's more room for change than when somebody condemns me and tells me I'm off and I get defensive and I want to prop up why and I'm not as bad as you think. No, but if I'm accepted and loved and then challenged in that love with grace and truth the way Jesus did, now there's this powerful prescription for me to thrive, to grow, to allow more grace, more truth into my life. This is real people for real change kind of acceptance. Because you know what, I mean, if we just, let's just say we're all gang members, we really, really loved how we accepted one another. Oh, you're cool, man, I love you, we, we're all the same. You what, kill somebody, yeah, me too. Let's go do it again. I mean, if if it's just acceptance and it's not acceptance toward change, it isn't of Jesus. It feels good. Somebody finally knows me. He's just as messed up as I am. But if it's not toward change in Jesus, then that kind of acceptance is not what we're talking about. If you're busy presenting yourself with a wrinkle-free life and you totally know you need an iron, you need a small group. If you're so busy presenting yourself always everywhere uh, with your wrinkle-free life, and you yourself know that you desperately need an iron, you need to sign up today. Walk across the hall and sign up for group link because it's the most powerful prescription for a thriving life. Group link is coming January 28th. You can sign up online, you can sign up across the hallway, you can read more about it in the bulletin that has an insert. Just because you sign up doesn't mean that you have a group, you have to come. You have to explore who you want to try to eight week experiment with. And this eight week experiment doesn't assure that you're in a group. This is just a try it before you buy a group. And then you have the option to say, yeah, this is the one I want to go further with. And then if you do, you're going to have a starting point, an ending point. You know what you're working with. And we're hoping that you'll come. I'm going to just say thank you for the many, many, many of you last week who already registered and signed up. I can't tell you how much that encouraged me. I can't tell you how much it encouraged our entire staff. That so many of you are ready and want to try this thing. Yahoo! And may those numbers increase. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are grateful for teaching us that we can be loved by the grace and kindness that is extended to us through Jesus Christ. God, perhaps some of us need to start right here and right now with you to acknowledge Yep, he's talking about me. God, I confess that here's how I present the imaginary me with this person. Here's how I present the imaginary me with that person. In fact, I think I'm a pretendaholic. God, it scares me to hear words from Jesus like, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, unless it surpasses religiosity, unless it surpasses this false front, God, we need a formula. We need you, Lord Jesus, to begin to make us good, truly good on the inside that we want to please you. We want to change. We want more of you. We want to be loved and respected because we love you. God, we confess that your way is better than the way that we've established into the pattern of our life. Help us, Lord, to take steps Lord, you, by taking steps to be real somewhere. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.